0: Hello and welcome to another edition of New Books in Systems and Cybernetics. I'm your host Tom Schultz from the University of British Columbia. On this episode, we'll be talking to Anthimos Alexandros Sirigotis about his book Cybernetics, Warfare and Discourse: The Cybernetization of Warfare in Britain out from Springer in 2017. Given the significant efforts of the field's founder, Norbert Wiener, to distance cybernetics from military research and application, as well as the ethical stances of some of the field's later leading lights, such as Heinz von Furster, Humberto Maturana, Herbert Brun, Randolph Glanville, and Larry Richards, it should not be surprising if some contemporary cyberneticians might find the particular combination of words in this book's title somewhat disconcerting. However... Far from producing a strictly first order technological study or strategic how-to manual, Greek military officer Tsiragotis has carried out a decidedly second order examination of the subject that supplants the mainstream assumption of cyberspace as a set of technologies with a notion of cyberspace as a set of social practices produced and reproduced autopoietically through what he calls cyber discourse grounded in notions of emergence and complexity and employing digital tools of corpus linguistics on policy documents from over the past seven decades, Tsirigotas traces the transformation of such notions as security and threat in British military circles. The result is a conception of the state not as a particular bounded geographical region, but as a network of autopoietic social practices and of a world in which such states do not seek to extinguish external threats through the deployment of hard military power, rather seek to use their networks to adapt to the constant presence of threats in their environment. Along the way, Tsirigotis provides a striking example of what a truly second-order social science, capable of engaging with all manner of social practices beyond the military sphere, might look like. Anthemos Tsirigotis, welcome to New Books in Systems and Cybernetics. It's great to have you with us. Hi, Dom. Thank you for uh, calling me. You bet. Um, so, the first thing we always do on new books in uh, systems and cybernetics, as we do on uh, all the channels on the New Books Network, is to have the author tell us a little bit about themselves, your um, your academic background, some of your tra- trajectory, maybe where you're at now, and um, how you became to be engaged with the field of cybernetics.
1: All right, Tom. Um, uh, so um, I have a, a rather a different uh, academic trajectory because um, I have finished uh, Air Force Academy, so I'm a military officer. Um, I have some uh, postgraduate studies, uh, my master's degree, I mean, uh, on uh, international relations and then my PhD at the University of Reading in the UK on politics and uh, international relations. So uh, my my PhD was on cyber warfare. Uh, My initial uh, research question was on uh, cyber warfare. today uh, i don't uh, i don't have an academic uh, trajectory because since i have i finished my phd i still i'm still uh, i still work uh, for the military in greece uh, but uh, always uh, trying to move into academia maybe on uh, a research project Uh, so my my theme was as i've said on cyber warfare and uh, when I was doing my research, so my initial thoughts were different, but uh, uh, at some point I came through cybernetics, which um, I found it a really uh, pertinent uh, theory for my theme. Uh, And I used it uh, in order to give uh, some different uh, uh, answers on uh, the main field, uh, why or if states can use cyber weapons to wage their wars, Uh, because uh, there is and there still is a a debate on uh, uh, if these kind of weapons uh, are potent enough if they can be used for waging wars without the need for the states to mobilize their traditional armies i mean uh, aircraft uh, naval forces or ground forces Um, i i I thought that this was a rather unproductive way to to see the whole debate and uh, with my book uh, and my phd i wanted to propose another way to, to, to see, to, to give, to answer the, this uh, theme. And I used cybernetics in order to go back and uh, uh, give another uh, idea of what uh, cyberspace is. Uh, I used cybernetics in order to see uh, the roots of this idea and um, to see what was uh, the, the main the, the main idea and what uh, uh, how this was uh, uh, transferred to the real world. I mean, uh, for example, the internet or the cyber weapons. Um, so, uh, cyberspace for me, it's not uh, the internet. It's not uh, the internet used for military purpose. But for me, uh, cyberspace and cyber warfare is another way to to see the real world uh, and. Uh, how this is transferred to warfare, it's by means of discourse which changes the way uh, the states understand the, the problem of war, I mean, uh, how they understand the, why they should wage wars, for what reasons, and uh, by using what means. And uh, c- cybernetics and the way cybernetics propose, uh, the way we understand the real world, uh, I, I I propose with my book that uh, this has changed the way uh, some states, uh, my case study was uh, the United Kingdom, uh, Understand uh, and uh, wage their wars, so I used the uh, discourse in order to trace these changes uh, throughout uh, uh, some decades and uh, to see how the meaning of war in the UK has changed in another, uh, and, and it has changed in the same way that cybernetics theories understand the social
0: uh, world. <laughs> thank you, thank you at the most. Yes, that's that. that that sets us up nicely. It's really quite an astonishing book and not at all what I expected, uh, when I first came across the title. Although once I read the description that you were going to, I mean, obviously discourse, the word discourse is in the title, but, um, the, the, the title perhaps might lead one to believe that this is going to be a strictly kind of, uh, first order cybernetic, uh, engagement of the, uh, of you know, the house and, 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 uh, Procedures of of cyber of of quote unquote cyber war, but in fact it really is operating on a second order cybernetic level in terms of the literally the constructivist angle on the construction of reality, uh, through the concepts we use and the way this feedback loop between how we describe the world becomes the world we live in and then becomes the world we act on. And then that feeds back into our descriptions. And it really is a, is stunningly, um, deeply cybernetic exercise so that cybernetics is not only the topic of the book, but is in fact, the kind of procedure Uh, that you're using. And it it even echoes, um, again, second order cybernetics, and even what has recently been called uh, second order science, in uh, the work of Carl Muller and others, talking about a sort of science of science, a uh, because of this type of discourse analysis that you use, gathering a large uh, corpus of of writings, and then uh, using certain analytical tools to discover how they are in fact producing the very reality that they purport to describe uh but we'll get to that and to the to the methodologies uh, some of the methodologies that you used uh as we go along uh but this book is manages to be cybernetic on a, on a number of of levels at once which really made it quite a quite a surprising and kind of an astonishing read for me um, so uh congratulations on 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 this very complex work so i thank you yeah um so we often find uh, or i often find that uh, in doing these interviews if a, if the title of a book has a number of terms sort of in a row it's sometimes useful to particularly when the it's as dense and the and the and the material is as complex and layered as, as is the case in your book it's useful to sort of go through the terms that appear in the title so cybernetics warfare discourse uh, the the main title so you've said a little bit about this but can you tell me uh, tell the, tell our listeners um you know, In a sense, which cybernetics are you talking about? Because it's such a vast field, and anyone who's been to a cybernetics conference knows that you can spend days us continuing to define the field itself. Um, but uh, what is it, uh, your understanding of cybernetics, uh, that you're applying to this book and to this analysis? And I know that it, it hinges a lot on uh, emergence, complexity and uh and and some of those uh ideas so uh can you just say a bit about cybernetics the cybernetics in the title of your book
1: first of all i'm not a really expert on cybernetics i came through these theories uh, trying to give answers to my research questions so the way that uh, i have used this theory this theory is that uh, i was uh, i I have found very useful the ideas of uh, autopies complexity uh, for my work, uh, uh, because it, it gives uh, um, it, it's very, it's really useful for the way that uh, used in social sciences. I mean, uh, on the one hand, we have a really complex uh, social world, uh, especially nowadays. Uh, so uh, the, these ideas on cybernetics have given me uh, useful uh, uh, ways to to understand the, the social world. Um, uh, so uh, in a in a very complex and especially in uh, in nowadays that we have all these information systems and everyone is uh connected and uh, the actions can kind of very easily dispersed on the social world uh, so because The the really traditional way that politics uh, and international theories on international relations understand uh, warfare uh, was not useful for my purposes. When I started uh, my research on cyber warfare, I was trying to give answers on uh, whether cyber weapons could uh, cause harm and make enemies uh, to uh, follow uh, our wills. i found myself really in a difficult position to answer this this kind of question so i changed the way i uh, i have uh, i see the social world and uh, reality on warfare and it was then that cybernetics uh, came in the whole picture uh, and helped me to understand that uh, and to propose uh, that this is not the, uh, use the productive way to understand modern warfare. Um, the, the ideas of uh, complexity, for example, uh, and um, the idea of uh, um, uh, the information loops so, um, helped me to, 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 to give different answers to the problematization of uh, warfare. Uh, so it was then that uh do you you want to continue with discourse and how i used the discourse to this uh all right
0: well actually actually i'd like to follow up just with a couple of details about cybernetics and then we can move on to to discourse if that's okay um, so, particularly autopoiesis. Um, tell, tell me a little bit about um, that that concept and how it's been uh, useful uh, for your, uh, as you say, very changed understanding or a notion of the social world. It, uh,
1: for it, it was uh, the the way that uh, I give answers on um, uh, how social uh, society, social systems, uh, managed to to go on and uh, to continue be alive. Uh, I mean how they, they give answers uh, to the way they understand uh, their problems and uh, the way they evolve through th- through time. Um, uh, this uh, um, this was for societies and states if they want to continue to be alive they should find new ways to understand what happens around them and for example i have found that the way for example, they understand what threat is or how security is understood they have changed the way they see they understand all these ideas in order to continue be to be alive and this is the way that I transfer the idea of auto pieces uh, to my work for the social systems.
0: So yeah, the 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 uh, the literally, of course, the literal meaning of the word of self self creating that, that the that uh, the the society continues to reproduce itself through its own communications. If you're looking at it from the perspective of Nicholas Lumen, or uh, it just it it, can, it creates itself through its own elements, and that uh, it needs to continue to do that to maintain its existence. Is that is that fair?
1: Yeah. Yeah, and in order to do this, they have to reconceptualize continuously what happens around them. I mean, the real world. That's why they don't they don't have the same ideas through, uh, throughout uh, their whole uh, living uh, living time.
0: So the relationship of the system to its environment, uh, and and the way that it understands and cognizes that environment uh, is a changing thing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Great. Uh, and yes, let's move on to discourse
1: and uh, so discourse is uh, is how uh, in practical uh, let's say terms uh, uh, all these ideas are transferred to to, uh, to the real world uh, through discourse for example they give meaning to what happens and they give meaning and they give new meanings uh, to old ideas because warfare is a deep rooted uh, idea so through discourse and social practices uh, the, uh, they give new meanings uh, to why warfare should be weighed and how uh, states should weigh uh, uh, their wars and for for what reasons. Um, so for in my case the UK I used uh, some uh, uh, written policy uh, documents uh, as, a, as an instance of discourse the written language I mean and I have tried to trace Changes in the way words uh, were used in order, it's time to mean different things for the same old ideas, such as uh, military forces or military power.
0: And can you say a little bit about the methodology you use to uh, analyze this discourse? Because, again, one of the ways in which this uh, book is, uh, many ways in which this book and this whole project of yours is, is cybernetic is the kind of uh, analysis um, and uh, technology software you used to uh, run various analyses on this discourse. So can you say a little bit about your methodology? All right, yes.
1: Uh, this comes from the field of uh, um The corpus linguistics, uh, which is, uh, which uses some uh, software in order uh, to analyze a corpus uh, of written language of texts. After processing uh, uh, these texts and you feed them uh, on uh, the system, on the software, then uh, you're trying to trace. uh, uh, I tried to trace some semantic semantic changes, I mean some changes in the way the meaning of the word is uh, changing because you know it's time we say for example law, warfare or power, military power, policy makers uh, uh, were not meaning the same thing uh, so uh, in practical terms uh, this, uh, I used two software uh, W Matrix and um, sorry I don't remember the other <laughs> is the name of the other one uh, uh,
0: we can find it in the book.
1: <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> um, in order to, to trace these uh, these changes, it's not a, it's not an automated way. I don't. I mean, uh, you don't feed the software, and you have your answers. Um, because as it happens with all quantitative. Uh, Research methods—you have to translate uh, these uh, these findings. So, I I mean, it's not a very um, straightforward process.
0: And they some some of the things they look at are the proximity of words to each other as ways to indicate, right? So that kind of context, etc. And and so the shifting uh, terminologies, uh, shifting understandings of security, power, warfare. Uh, and and other and other words that you focused on Threats. Yeah. and threat and threats yeah. right yeah
1: yeah yeah uh, you you use the collocations as as it is um, as it is the term uh, in order you examine uh, which words were used in the vicinity of uh, your target uh, word so for the, if the target word is for example. Thread. I will. I traced all the collocations uh, by that meaning all the words used uh, five words to the left and five words to the right of the target wo- uh, word. Word uh, thread because you know uh, the way uh, you use the the other words with uh, your target word with the thread. Uh, this gives meanings to the main word to the thread. It, it seems um, it seems difficult, but it's not. Um, uh, for example, uh, wh- uh, uh, let's say, uh, nowadays we have the problem of, with the climate change. And we have some threats uh, concerning uh, uh, this kind this kind of threats uh, coming from the climate change, I mean. Uh, some decades before, they were not using any words uh, related to the climate. Um, so that uh, means that there is a change to what the threat is, for example. Uh, so I have tried all these collocations in order to see how the the meaning of uh, my main words threat, security uh, has and power has
0: uh, has changed. And you essentially coin coined the term cyber discourse, uh, and you are suggesting, as you've said in this interview as well, that you found it unproductive to think of uh, cyberspace as a kind of material, a uh, place or, or a set of material objects, uh, whether it's uh, computers and and software, hardware, etc., but rather that there is a something that you call cyber discourse that, in fact, creates creates the conditions for this whole thing we call cyberspace. Um, so, can you say a little bit about what are the main features of what you're identifying as cyber discourse?
1: Yeah, this is the main point of my work uh, and of what I suggest is that uh, it's really unproductive to have an army, let's say, uh, to have your military forces uh, equipped with all these uh, uh, tools, the cyber tools, if this army does not have uh, the mentality of uh, waging war by means uh, of cyberspace. So I propose that there is a Cyber discourse, uh, and I equate this cyber discourse with the way that a sovereign state understands the problematization of war. I mean, why uh, this state should wage war, for what reasons, and how. So, for, a mil- for military forces, they have to have uh, both of them. They must have the mentality of cyber warfare, and they, have, they must have uh, the tools for waging this kind of war. Or of warfare. It's uh, unproductive to have all um, the tools uh, to protect your networks uh, and to say that you are ready to wage cyber warfare if uh, you have uh, uh, an understanding of what a threat, a military threat is, or of what military power is by following uh, the old fashioned way. So, uh, to put it in another way, uh, for for a state, if uh, the policymakers understand um, threats to binary code, I mean they, they identify threats uh, um, to the um, uh, sorry. Um, uh, if they if the way they identify their threats. Uh, Uh, it's not the same within the cyber discourse because, uh, for example, within the cyber discourse uh, sovereign states, uh, they don't see threats uh, uh, as they have to extinguish them. Uh, Through my research I have found that the UK has changed the way they uh, have understood what a threat is uh, and the way they should relate with their threats. So nowadays, the uh, the states that have the cyber discourse and they follow the cyber discourse, they see threats as uh, a new way to relate with them in order to impose their will. They don't, have, they don't consider that they have to extinguish them. They, they find uh, new ways, uh, in, uh, other ways, uh, in order to relate with them and to make them change the way uh, that these threats uh, uh, see uh, their own states. Uh, so this is another way that they use their military power, not in order to extinguish what threatens their nations, but uh, uh, as a way to impose their will. Um, and this is a huge change uh, in in terms of uh, uh, meaning, in terms of how they understand and what meaning they give. To their threats and to how they should use their military forces. I, I know that maybe this seems this sounds a little bit uh, uh, strange uh, because still uh, these days we still have uh, wars in the traditional meaning um but my work proposes another way to to understand cyber warfare and to distinguish between the way uh, cyber warfare is waged and the way it is uh, uh understood as a new discourse uh, giving meaning to the new reality of warfare
0: which seems to spring of course from a, a, the uh, coming out of the cyber discourse a new conception of 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 the living in a sense Um, that uh, you know, if you're going to go back to notions of autopoiesis uh, you know, that obviously come from Maturana and Varela um, this idea of this, uh, of a, of an organism in its environment. uh, And you're talking about a a kind of a different conception of the organism's relationship to its environment. uh, And that rather than projecting power uh, or, 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 um, this idea of the of geographical space defining um, what a nation is but more about the social practices that embody that embody that nation through its their enactment and uh, and then its relationship to its environment through the the many networks that in which it is embedded is that is that correct
1: uh, it, it's exactly this way that uh, I I propose. That's why I have proposed this cyber discourse as a as produced by the theories of cybernetics. Uh, this way to understand uh, the the real world, the the modern world.
0: Great. So. Um... So we obviously have all these tools though, that are known in the popular discourse as, you know, the sort of, you know, that the prefix cyber becomes, you know, just dis- detached from its initial uh, meaning in the word kivanetes of steersman and uh, becomes just associated with computers, etc. So cyber discourse, um, I'm sensing then eventually does give birth to a kind of thinking that enables a development of certain types of technology. And of course, the early cybernetics were involved in the development of technologies. Second order cybernetics gets more into the ideas, more self-reflexive ideas of cognition, et cetera. And you're using those those ideas, it seems to me, but also that, um, so my question is, it's one of these chicken or the egg kinds of questions, because of course, in cybernetics, it's all about these loops and these cycles. But is there a sense that the cyber discourse, beginning all the way back, you know, in the Macy conferences, and of course, even earlier, if you go back to some sort of proto cybernetic uh, thinkers like Bogdanov and Ampere, etc. But this idea, these ideas of feedback, uh, the relationship of organism and environment, etc., changes a conception of life that manages to sort of permeate uh various areas of human activity, leading to technological innovations, um, so that. Um, this conception of life has changed all of these practices, including technological practices, and created this reality that then is sort of fed back into itself. Uh,
1: yeah, and this is uh, really relevant today with the new technologies such as artificial intelligence, for example, uh, which is another way that all these theories are are, are given uh, um, meaning and uh, they find new expressions in uh, technology and uh, i i think that uh, this uh, this is a really fascinating new field i mean uh, uh, artificial intelligence and a new way that uh, uh, we understand our lives as well and our boundaries as well because we have artificial intelligence and in the way uh, that new uh, assemblash- assemblages are created between technology and humans, and uh, we, as well as humans, we redefine and we see ourselves through the, through these assemblages in, in a new way. So all this, uh, what I've said, cyber discourse uh, can have um, more uh, more uh, expressions in uh, new technologies. Uh, as I've said, uh, we redefine we our boundaries and what. How we understand our lives, and how we interact with uh, these uh, new technologies, and um, to to have these uh, these new expressions, uh, you have to change the way you understand the words. That's why I, I have traced changes in my case uh, only what concerns war, what concerns warfare, uh, but uh, we can trace. Uh, change more changes uh, in the social world that can give birth to all these new ideas of how we live our lives within assemblages of humans and uh, artificial intelligence i mean that these these theories are really relevant today and policy makers as well uh, should be uh, uh, really aware of all these uh, things because as you have said it's not only cyber it's not a prefix it's a whole new idea of how social world world uh, is organized today
0: so let's talk a little bit about some of the shifts you found as you mentioned the uk is your uh, is your uh, is your Test case, in a sense, and as reflected in the subtitle of the book. Uh, So what are some of the uh, evolutions of words like threat uh, and warfare and security uh, that you were able to trace through this uh, corpus linguistics approach to uh, all these different documents that come from different genres that you've identified of um, uh, sort of government documents around security and policy, etc.?
1: Yeah, so the first change, it it was uh, about uh, security discourse. Uh, So I have found that uh, through the years, uh, policymakers, uh, initially they were concerned about uh, defense. So what uh, you could find in those documents back in the 60s or 70s, it was uh, the defense discourse, how they should defend the UK against their Enemies. And those enemies back uh, in uh, those days were tangible enemies. They had uh, specific uh, identifications. but later, little by little, we have the emergence of a new discourse. It was the security discourse, and policymakers were talking more and more about not defense, but about security. How they should make the UK secure, a secure place for their nation, for people to thrive. So that was the first uh, specific uh, semantic change. How policymakers uh, in uh, a corpus mainly uh, consisting of uh, uh, military documents. I mean, uh, my corpus was uh, uh, only um, had documents only uh, policy of national defense and security. So it was really interesting to see these change, how uh, little by little they stopped talking about defense and they were construct constructing uh, were constructing a new discourse the security discourse uh, and for this uh, discourse uh, they had to reconceive the way they were understanding uh, threats and that, and here comes the second semantic uh, semantic change uh, the threat it was not only a tangible threat uh, a threat with a specific uh, identification but uh, the threat was uh, conceived little by little uh, as a, a challenge. Uh, so the, the policymakers were uh, conceiving, uh, the construct, constructing new meaning of threats as challenges, uh, and they should find ways to address, to to live with these uh, challenges. Uh, they. So uh, nowadays uh, policymakers are not concerned only to uh, not uh, to extinguish extinguish these uh, threats, but they are more concerned how to use military forces in order to continue to be resilient, as they say, uh, to continue living. Uh, with the presence of threats. So the main point for them is not to have a safe and secure nation as it was some decades before. But nowadays it is how to continue be uh, alive, and here comes the theory of cybernetics, how to be alive uh, through uh, an environment inherently uh, insecure. Uh, and then the final change uh, is uh, how they use and how they conceive military power. As I have uh, said initially, they they were constructing a meaning of military power as a way to distract, to to cause destruction, uh, and that was uh, this was uh, the their target. But uh, nowadays uh, the meaningful change concerns that military power is not only is not mainly a way to distract. Uh, uh, but uh, it's a way to make uh, enemies to change the, the way they are thinking, to make them change the way they understand the UK, not in, in a hostile way, but to make them come with uh, the, the British way of thinking. Um, so. These were the changes that have, I have traced through my corpus and uh, they, were, uh, they can be seen in, uh, in uh, the genre of uh, how
0: policymakers come together in order to write uh, the new policy document. And you've also talked about how uh, individual citizens of the UK and other states that might be operating within this uh, cyber discourse that you talk about uh, have a different role to play or are conceived of differently uh, in this new relationship you're describing, which is about uh, adapting in such a way that one can live with threats within the environment, as opposed to this idea of, of extinguishing threats. Uh, and, but it, it changes the, um, the role of citizens as agents of the state for, uh, to use that term. Can you say a little bit about that? Yeah, this is very interesting. Um,
1: so uh, some decades before, initially, for in my corpus, I uh, the uh, the citizens, uh, the British citizens, were not considered uh, as uh, agents, as uh, uh, they were not considered as a way to keep the nation safe. Uh, uh, little by little, this has changed, and uh, they are nowadays they are considered as uh, uh, critical uh, loops for the security chain. Um, they are, or to, to put it differently, they are considered uh, co-responsible with the nation, with policymakers, with the government, co-responsible for keeping their nation safe. Uh, and this can be this can be seen with, uh, the, uh, with the case of any incident uh, in cyberspace. Uh, so we are we are asked to to have uh, to keep ourselves safe by ourselves within the cyberspace. So uh, we have all these uh, centers that uh, uh, inform us about the dangers and what how we should keep ourselves safe. So you see that uh, uh, they consider us uh, uh, as uh, agents of actions in this uh, uh, governmental effort to keep the nation safe. And this can... Be not only in the case of uh, uh, the practice, the social practice of uh, policy of uh, writing policies uh, concerning warfare and security, uh, but also citizens nowadays are considered responsible for a series of other things, for keeping themselves, for example. Uh, 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 sorry uh, healthy uh, for many um, companies security companies uh, life companies uh, they are asking some categories of, some groups of people to to be a, uh, to, to keep them to have to have a healthy way of living in order to offer them some um, some uh, kind of protection uh, security uh, life I mean uh, some contracts life contracts. Uh, so this is an idea that uh, gives express, that uh, finds expressions to other social practice practices as well, and not only uh, within the practice of social security. Uh, sorry, uh, of defense and uh, national security.
0: Yes, and you, and you talk about just the you know if we're talking this cyber discourse about the identity of a system and the nation as a kind of social system with it with an identity, it seems that uh, and and I, I picked this up I believe in the book that it's not even just the um, practices that are uh, can be directly traced to notions of security, but the that's various social practices, particularly a country like uh, Great Britain. I mean, there are particular social practices that uh those of us outside of britain would consider to be quintessentially british yeah. for instance and that in a sense it's the maintenance of the ability to continue those social practices, which are then recreated, of course, through continuous communications, again, to use the Nic- Nicholas Luhmann's um, perspective of, the, of that social autopoiesis. But it's about um, being able to maintain that sense of the identity of the nation not being as uh, concretely understood as the territory, but as the social practices themselves. And what is it that makes us British, and how do we continue to um, – navigate our relationship with our environment in such a way that we can continue those practices that constitute Britishness itself. Is that a a fair assessment?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's the British way of living but the the way that they define uh, British, uh, their territory as you said, uh, not only related to a specific space but to a specific way of understanding uh, uh, the real world. So this is the British way and this is uh, translated within social practices uh, uh, which uh, in different points of time they give different uh, interpretations of uh, of the
0: world. You also mentioned that uh, the decline of Britain's place on the world stage as a world power following the Second World War, and uh, renegotiating in a sense what the word "great" means in the term "Great Britain," not just great as in large, but you know what does what is wherein lies the greatness of Britain, so to speak, Um, and that those renegotiations have played a role also in this um, reassessment of um, security and um, what the priorities and procedures of the British military would be. Can you say a little bit about that? Yeah, and
1: here comes the the debate about... uh, Uh, Which uh, um, what has the primary role? I mean, discourse or uh, actual uh, practices, uh, the the real uh, acts, the real uh, facts of life. Uh, I mean, I tried not to. to, I try to be uh, realistic, let's say, and uh, not to give a to give a. Uh, room to give space uh, uh, to the idea that uh, says that it's not only discourse, it's not only cyber discourse that changed, that it has changed the way the UK, for example, uh, now understands the world, but it was a whole whole series of actual uh, things, of actual facts that have changed uh, the world uh so yes of course it was uh the, the end of the cold war uh, a, a major uh, a historical uh, uh, fact uh, it, it it's not only that maybe uh, has uh, made policymakers uh, to, to to see uh, the world in a different uh, uh, way so I mean, I tried to hear the criticism uh, and the feedback that I've got uh, on my work, because uh, each time I have presented uh, my theory, my work, my project in my department, uh, which is really uh, hardly realistic it was uh, of realism. Uh, I had this uh, criticism that uh, okay, it's discourse the way we uh, you explain the <laughs> how policymakers give meaning to the world, but here we have some actual facts. Um, but as I mentioned uh, in my in my work, uh, even uh, the, this there is not this uh, and here comes critical realism but it's uh, it's not only uh but th- the facts these facts are given meaning uh, through uh, through social pra- practices and discourse um it, it's really difficult to to find the happy medium between uh, discourse and uh, uh actual uh, fact realism uh, But I tried to to give voice to this uh, kind of criticism on my my work, and uh, of course I say that yes, it was a major historical uh, fact that have placed uh, some role uh, to the emergence of cyber discourse. But on the other hand, on the other hand, um, it was not uh, these these historical facts have uh, um, uh, have been made not uh, out of the blue. It was also a series of other social practices that. Uh, help them uh, to happen.
0: Right. I'm glad you got a chance to mention critical realism as well because that that obviously um, plays a role as a kind of mediating force between the sort of constructivist view you're looking at and a more realist uh, historical approach perhaps. And of course we've been able to cover some things about critical realism on this podcast an interview with John Mingers uh, that I encourage um, our listeners to, to find in the archive if they have, uh, haven't had a chance I to hear it. it.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, it yeah. Really
0: Mingers good. is a very, imp- yeah. yeah, very important thinker in that, in that realm. Um, so you've mentioned, um, Being uh, in in your department and being a a military officer and not primarily an academic who uh, started with a set of questions and then in the discovery of cybernetics and cyber discourse, uh, it changed your uh, perspective and changed even your questions and introduced this sort of streak of um, constructivism into your thinking that perhaps if I'm hearing it correctly, um, sets you slightly at odds with some of the, some of the colleagues in, in the, uh, in, in the domains in which you, you usually work. So can you say a word about if, and how, um, this, your own personal (laughs) cybernetization, if I can call it that, uh, has changed your perspective and your own relationship to your own career as a military officer and to, um, yeah, your own, um, world uh world in which you uh, operate uh as an agent all right very very interesting question <laughs> my own civilization okay uh, so
1: i think that uh, uh with uh, these theories um i have found uh, um, uh, my own expression but they have not changed the way i me as a person i see the world uh Let's let's put it in another way. I've always been thinking in uh, a cyber way, but uh, I didn't know that. <laughs> I mean that uh, I tried to answer my initial research questions in a realistic uh, uh, way of working. Uh, but as a person, I've always been. Uh, a person of critical rea- realism, and uh, I was trying to say that uh, it's the way we see the world, the way that we give answers to the world. Uh, so with cybernetics theories, this gave me a useful tool to express myself. Uh, it has not changed me as a person uh, or as a military officer, uh, but it's, uh, it was a really useful uh, theory for me to say, yes, that's the way I'm thinking, and to express myself in practical terms in practical terms in my work it's very difficult to apply this because i don't have uh, the power to do it uh, but uh, in the future if i try to if i manage to move into academia i think this is the way that i would like to follow and to understand the uh, as I've already said, phenomena such as uh, uh, assemblances created by humans and artificial intelligence.
0: Well, it'll certainly be interesting to watch uh, as you move through your continuing your professional trajectory and to see if uh, as these ideas um, perhaps proliferate and infiltrate other um, areas of of discourse, uh, what impacts um, they might have. One of the the things that this book does, I think, that is really useful is, um, and and is offers promise to the entire field of cybernetics and systems, is uh, demonstrating a kind of second order scientific method through which um, uh, various areas of social practice might be examined through uh, this lens of cyber discourse. And the book kind of ends with suggesting that you know military app- uh, is one field of application that might be. Uh, Analyzed, but that uh, perhaps there are others. Um, Can you say a little bit about what you hope or think maybe the future of this type of analysis might be within uh, the wider field of social sciences?
1: Yeah, uh, I really think that uh, this is uh, a a really promising uh, research tool for social scientists. Uh, I believe that social scientists scientists are uh, in front of a big dilemma because they have to... Uh, open their perspectives and uh, find and to, uh, to to find new tools, new research tools um, to understand what happens. Uh, I mean, uh, they are not so much familiar uh, with. Uh, uh, let's say big data analysis or complex systems theory. Uh, I find these uh, areas of knowledge really useful uh, useful um, for social sciences. Um, As I said, uh, uh, in the area of artificial intelligence, because now now there is a huge uh, uh, realm of work on how policymakers should address uh, matters of of privacy, let's say. Uh, Privacy is another major uh, concern, how we understand uh, our private uh, area. And uh, with all these new technologies, uh, our privacy uh, is really... um, should should be redefined and uh, uh, cybernetics and second order cybernetics uh, is about uh, exactly this uh, and social scientists should use this theory in order to explain uh, how these boundaries how uh, as we as living systems uh, redefine our boundary boundaries uh, and uh, of course uh, cybernetics theory and especially second order, as you said, they have much to say on this field
0: thank you I, I hope that 's something that uh, second order cyberneticians who might be listening to this might take away from this uh, because there there is ba- there are bound to be those in in the second order cybernetics community who are always uh, uncomfortable when um, cybernetics and and military matters are spoken of together, again, because the field of cybernetics has spent a lot of time. And all the way back to Norbert Wiener, its founder, who was very concerned with um, um, the use of cybernetics in uh, military uh, research, Um, cybernetics has spent a lot of time trying to make clear that it is not a techno-military science in and of itself. and i'm hoping that uh, something that all of our listeners and members of the community can can take from your book is it um uh, as well as being an analysis of of the military which is the place where you've chosen to spend your life and your work uh, also as an example of of a very useful uh, an example of the way that second order cybernetics could perhaps once again become a um a robust and and u- utilized uh, framework for um social analysis which i think the book has done an an admirable job of of demonstrating uh, how that works
1: yeah we have to find ways to to coexist Uh, i mean cybernetic cyberneticians and the social scientists they have to find new ways both of them to coexist and to give answers yeah exactly
0: so you've mentioned that you are uh um, sort of not don't have a permanent home in academia. You continue your active career as a military officer in Greece. Uh, what's next for you in terms of your uh, your career or your study or any other uh, writing projects you might have? What's uh, what's next on the on the horizon for you?
1: Yeah, I'm always searching for new research projects, uh, and uh, I apply for uh, as a lecturer. Uh, but still with no luck. <laughs> it's really difficult if you lead uh, um, a professional life uh, for me for as a military and you are trying to, uh, to change. Uh, it's really difficult because you have your life, uh, your everyday life and your dream. Uh, for me, my dream is uh, academia. So I'm trying to find my, my way uh, between my dream and my reality. <laughs>
0: Well, we certainly wish you uh, the best of luck with that, and I'm going to be fascinated to keep an eye on uh, where you where you travel and what other writing you may uh, produce uh, down the road as you as you take these new insights you've had about uh, again from this very second order cybernetic perspective. These new reflections that you have, you say they've they've helped you find a voice for some intuitions that you've always had, but of course in true cybernetic fashion these your these new descriptions of the world and your world that you're making will feed back into Uh, the world that you see and that you continue to act upon so uh, we wish you uh, the best of luck and hope that uh, we have a chance to talk to you about some future work again down the road thank you so much yeah thank you so much for spending the time with us you've been very generous with your time Uh, we've been talking to yeah you're very welcome we've been talking to Anthimos Tsirigotis about his book Cybernetics Warfare and Discourse thank you very much for joining us